are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Life that we enjoy, and I enjoy life, I know you do as well. Life is filled with stages. There's always a transition from one stage to the next. Perhaps you're in the midst of that stage or that change right now. It's much like, in my estimation, a transmission of a car. I grew up in the era, now it seems like even trucks are automatic transmissions, and that's okay. But I grew up on three on the column. You had first gear down here and you went up and over to second and then third. I only drove to my knowledge one four speed. It was a 62 Corvette. My neighbor had it and he took me out here in what is now 880. And there was a road there. It was by the drag race track over in Fremont. And he said, now Jack, put this thing down. And he just came back from Vietnam. He was shot up and wounded. And he was, had this car and I was driving it. And I'll never forget as a 16 year old boy, I was in first gear and then second gear and then third gear and fourth. And those old 60 cars are not like they are today. They would shake. And uh, I got it up to 90 miles an hour and I thought, wow, this is incredible. He says, come on, don't be a sissy, drive. And he pushed on my leg and I got up to 105 miles an hour praying for the rapture to come. I'm confessing my sin right now to you, but it was just an amazing thing shifting those gears. Oh, I love cars, Brother Charlie, you know that. You had that 57 Chevy completely restored. I'm, I'm gonna ask the church to begin to pray with me that Charlie would give me that car. I'd be a better pastor, I know I would, I know I would. Oh, that car is so beautiful. Sit inside of it. Well, when we get sidetracked here, that your life is all about these gears. You're moving from one to the next. I guess a few times I drove a six-speed truck. And then I've driven a truck with overdrive. I drove buses with four and six-speed and then the overdrive. But you have to get it into every gear properly. Some vehicles, it seems like you can start second, but they have that, what they call grandma gear. You get in that gear and you work through the gears. Your life is gear one infancy. Mother, dad's infancy is really up to you to help train your child not to rule the roost. And that child needs to come under the leadership of mother and dad. And then we, we have childhood. In childhood, you have to make that change. They're not in second grade sucking on a pacifier. They're not acting like little children. They're not being little naughty little brats. They're making the transition. I watch children go to kindergarten and it's a transition for mothers too and dads, perhaps more for mothers and dads. In a way, it's so exciting, but it's very sad because that child that was in your house is now in a school and uh, you're going to miss that child. It's a transition. And, and then there's a transition in a person's life to adolescent teen years. 
And uh, uh, was it uh, Will Rogers said this of teenagers, when they turn 13, you ought to put them in a box and drill a hole, and when they're 20, you ought to bring them out of the box. Maybe that's true, but teenage years are different than adolescent. And it's hard, on, difficult on parents, and it's difficult on a child. A boy could be speaking to you and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad to be with you today, and it's wonderful to be in church. And their voices is all over the place. Sometimes our complexion is changing, and the girls seem to mature faster than boys, but they're still an adolescent. But you have to shift. And then you get into young adulthood. And then you get into family, perhaps, and marriage. And then you get to the next, the empty nest syndrome. Now, I don't know of anybody that's really magnified a great testimony in that stage. There might be some. It is a transition. We have to learn. I recall when our children left home, it didn't take us long, but it took us a little while. We loved those kids in our home. And it's hard to believe that our daughter Tiffany, who's a pastor's wife, she left us 20 years ago next month as she got married. And she's been out of our home so very long. Those are happy days when she was there, but there was a transition. There's a transition when Tabitha left 15 years ago. And then we had Tim for so long in our home, even after college. And then he's married now five kids and he pastors in Arizona. There was a transition for both of us that our kids are gone. It should not have been that difficult for my wife because she had me. It wasn't that difficult for me, quite frankly, because I honestly had her. And I loved it. But there's always a transition. Some of you are making that transition. You're alone now. Your husband's with the Lord or you're with, uh, your wife is with the Lord. Or perhaps you're moving into old age. And perhaps some abilities that we used to have, we're losing those abilities. It's a hard, very difficult thing, and you people that have parents that lose the ability for safety to drive a vehicle, you be very cautious with them. Don't make it a difficult thing on your parents. That was a difficult thing when my dad had to surrender his license. It was a hard thing, a difficult thing. Be patient with your parents as they begin to age. Love them. Care for them. Do everything you can for them. Clean their windows and, and rake their leaves. And I can recall with precious memories, Saturday afternoon, my mother would feel so guilty about it because I'd take her to the hairdresser. And she said, son, you're pastoring this church and you don't have this time. And I said, oh, it's a privilege for me. And you know, many times I didn't have the time but I'm glad I took the time. And when people get older in life, we just don't stick them in some nursing home and forget about them. Life is full of transition. And I see that it's tragic when a 20-year-old to 30-year-old, you're still trying to act like a teenager. There has to be a time when you put away childish things and you have to become mature 
You say, well, I'm single. I'm in my 20s. Well, you should be saving a ton of money right now. You should be getting ready that when God brings the right girl in your life, the right husband, you have prepared your life with the Word of God and you've not been worldly in your 20s and early 30s, but you've been taking time for the Scriptures and studying the Scriptures and watching aged people and saintly women and saintly men who've lived good lives and saving money for a wedding ring and for furniture and for a vehicle that runs and for, uh, and for a marriage and for a honeymoon and for a house or whatever it might be. It's time to grow up. Do every stage properly. David is a great example. He was a shepherd boy. Dad said, go take care of your brothers. And as a boy, he, he stayed in his gear. And then he was promoted to being an assistant to the king. And he made that transition as he began to serve Saul. And then in time, he became the king. And he made that transition. And then he had children. And he made that transition. I'll come back to that one. And then he finished his course. Did so, so properly, but that one stage. David in 2 Samuel Chapter 11 made a mistake with his life in a moment of weakness. And I have a hard time myself with people that find another person when they failed at a weak time in their life and they magnify the sin of others. They're generally doing that to cover their own sin. Never be happy when you find that a man or a woman failed in their marriage. Never be happy when you hear that a child goes prodigal on the parents. Never be thrilled about that. I knew that. I knew that woman was not a good wife. I knew she wasn't a good mother. I knew that. They're already beating themselves up enough. David did not go back to war like they always would go. The war would cease during the winter months, start back up in the spring. And fighting would begin again, and, and, and fighting was beginning, and, and he stayed home. And because his schedule was so changed, and he used to be so busy, and here and there, uh, all of a sudden he can't sleep at night, and he gets up at night, and he begins to walk, and he sees a woman by the name of Bathsheba, and he defiles his life with her, and then brings her husband home and makes sure that he's in the hottest point of the battle, and, and his life is, is, is extinguished on the uh, battlefield. And his kids are watching this, and, and he has a boy by the name of Ammon. And he got tied up with his cousin, Jonadab. And Jonadab said, uh, 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 said I see you really like your half-sister. And he defiled his half-sister. And his brother, Absalom hated him so much what he did to his sister Tamar that he waited two years, but at the right time, he had his shearers take him and said, kill him. And so now we have a son who committed incest and a daughter in his home 
that her, her life was ruined and wrecked by a brother. And now her brother kills this brother. And then David added a death of a baby in the midst of all that mix. And then David had a son by the name of Absalom who betrayed his father, tried to even kill his dad, and Absalom was such a wicked boy, and then Absalom was killed. He's got now three boys killed, three little sons, a little son and two boys, three boys killed and dead, a daughter with incest. He commits adultery, and now he's dying. And it's our text that's before us. These be the last words of David. The last words. The last words I have on my phone and a voicemail from my dad at age 93 was this. I love you, son. David is going to give his last words. He went through every stage so right and then messed up here, but he took his failure and got back in his race. I hope this will help you today. This is not a revival message. This is line upon line for God's people. We're dealing with so many wounded people today. Most of us have done it to ourselves. We have regrets. We have sins in our lives that we wish we'd never done that or said that and we're living with regrets. I'm the pastor of this great church, but the devil fights me with regrets in my own life. Oh, I'm not suggesting there's ever been pornography or another woman or something of that nature stealing from this church, but you know, sin is sin. And God's word said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us all of us have sins that easily, easily can capture our heart. David, so I'm going to tell you my last words before I die. Who was this David? David, who was the son of Jesse. The man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He said, the spirit of the Lord was spake by, uh, by me, and the word was in my tongue. And the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. And now he talks about his leadership and his ruling as a king. He that ruleth over men. Oh, watch this now. Mothers and dads, adults, everyone here. He that ruleth over men. David had shifted and transitioned to a ruling position. And so God says, David's saying, if you're going to rule over man, watch the ingredients that you need uh, must be just. You must be fair with people. May I ask you to be fair in your marriage and fair in, in, in your children, with your children, fair with your parents and just ruling in the fear of God. May I say secondly, let's rule in the fear of God, the reverence, the respect of God, that we are representatives of the King of Kings. Look what he says. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth even the morning without clouds. As he says, a king needs to be like when that sun comes up and there's no clouds. What a beautiful sight.
And then he said, you have to be like the tender grass springing out of the earth. Oh, there's something about that sunrise and you see that, the, that green grass. Verse five is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Although, although, this is what I was supposed to be. I'm supposed to be all these good qualities. Although, my house be not so with God. He said, you know, my house had a boy that committed incest. My house had a boy that committed murder. My house had a baby that died. My house had a boy whose hair was caught in the thicket of an oak because he so rebelled against authority, against God, against his own dad. I lost my own boy. I poured my heart into him. David, David comes to that one place where he's stripping the gears or he's jamming the gears and he's got stuck right there in that one point of life. But the amazing thing about David, he didn't stay there. He still had a race to run. Stay here because I'm going to take you to one more book in just a moment in the Old Testament. But I'm going over in my mind to Philippians chapter 3 where the apostle Paul it says this, life is about forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting the past, those things which are behind. I'm talking to people in this room this morning that it's time that you learn to forget some things from your past. Adultery, drunkenness, fornication, lying, prison, jail, all right, you did wrong, so did David. All right, we did wrong. Although it be not so with my home, my home wasn't a perfect home is what David's saying. So you've had jail in your life. You've had prison in your life. You've had divorce in your life. You've had sorrow in your life. Maybe you were the one at fault. Maybe you were, I don't know. But you know, there's some good things in the past and some of those good things you need to put aside too. Some are living so much in the past of all the good old days, you forget you're living in the present. And some of you and most in this room, all of us live. Drugs, drink, arrest, driving a car drunk, losing my purity while I'm still in the high school or college sins, we all have them, and there has to come a point forgetting those things which are, uh, forgetting those things which uh, are in the past. I, I have, my past is forgiven. For sin I'm set free. A mansion in heaven is waiting for me. College boys generally love it when a pastor preaches hard, bless God, and it, it's, boy, they're shouting, there's amen in but the longer you stay, the harder it gets. Because I pastor so many people I love with so many wounds. It's very difficult to say something against sodomy nowadays because most families have been affected by sodomy with a cousin, an uncle, a brother, a this or that a mother, a sister. 
there's some things that you're gonna have to do. Your, your son is so far away from God. You're gonna have to forget about blaming yourself for everybody else's sins and desires. Forgetting those things that are behind. I labor this just for a moment. I ask you a question in the balcony. What do you have to forget? Paul had some things in his past. He was hailing, the Bible says, men and women and putting them in prison and consenting unto their death. He was against the Christians. But when Paul got saved on that road to Damascus, he wrote as much of the New Testament and he remembered in chapter number nine and chapter number uh, 20 and chapter 26 in the book of Acts and he reminds us over there in 1 Timothy in chapter one, he said, who before was an injurious person, a blasphemer, a hater of God, a hater of the people of God. He said, I did that. But he's had to move from the past and today you are ruining your present because you're so hung up in the past. David was so brokenhearted, even at his death, he reminds him that this wasn't me and my life, I didn't have the good home. I had problems with my, mar- my life, my marriage. I, had pr- I-, I messed up. Consequently, my kids messed up. But he still had to be the king. He still had to lead his people. Forgetting deals with it, dealing with your past. And when you move out of that gear, you begin to deal with the present. Reaching forth, that means active right now to those things that are before. Would you put some energy in today? Don't take all your energy and put it in yesterday how you failed. I say this very cautiously. Some perhaps have had a baby out of wedlock. And if you're not careful, you're going to allow that decision of the past that perhaps all of us could have easily been in the same position. Easily. From this pulpit, you're not going to have a man finding fault with the decision you made as a 16, a 17, an 18, a 21, a 22, whatever it might have been, 24, 5, 6, 8. Uh, you're not going to look at me and say, he, he just thinks we're such, we're such trash. My heart aches for people that we all did things I wish we hadn't done. But you have to forget so you can move into the present. Reaching forth. That's, that's right now. Many are destroying their life with guilt. And I have a tendency to do that in my own life. I guess a preacher preaches what he needs to hear. I wish I had some redo days as pastor in this church, and I, I've tried so diligently to be a good pastor. But I wish I'd have done this a little bit different, or this a little bit different, or handled this situation a little bit different. And it's amazing, Brother John, how the old devil can bring people in my mind and remind me, and they'll sometimes say they weren't even around, and they're, they're, they're here now. They'll tell me about all the, the faults of North Valley, all the faults of the pastor, all the faults of the church, or all the faults of the school. I think, I, I know all that. You don't have to remind me about it all. 
I go to bed and sometimes I toss and turn because I get so filled with guilt and frustration and why did I do that and why did I do this? And you are exactly the same place. We're going to have to realize that there's no, that there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We condemn ourselves, but Jesus is not condemning us. That, that woman at the well, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I see there's positive, and not only the past and the present, but the positive in that Philippians chapter 3. I press toward the mark. I'm straining. I'm reaching. I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on the upward way. I'd like in closing for you to let this all be wrapped up by going with me to 1 Kings 14. It's the next book over. It's an amazing thing. I, I knew what I was preaching this morning. But in my own personal Bible reading this morning, God brought me to 1 Kings 14. Just amazing where God will position you when you need something else. I've thought so much about David. And yes, he, he didn't make that one transition in that stage properly. But he got himself back in his vehicle of life and he strapped himself in and he went to the fourth gear. And he went to the fifth gear. And he went to the sixth gear. God showed me this this morning. I was all ready to preach this, this text, not this verse. And God just embellished in my heart something about David. This chapter is such an impressive chapter because Jeroboam, there's, at that point, there's no king that had done as wicked as he had. And Jeroboam had a boy in his home that got sick, Abijah. And, and, and little Abijah was sick, and, and he said to his wife, I want you to disguise yourself, verse 2. And I want you to go see the prophet. He said, you know, this prophet you're going to go see is getting old. He can't see his eyes are not, so disguise yourself. I don't, want, I don't want the prophet to know he's coming from the king's house. I, I don't want him to know it's us. But I want you to go see him. And she was going on behalf of her husband, the king, and on behalf of the little boy, Abijah, and she went to go see the prophet Ahijah. Abijah and Ahijah. That'd be good twin names if you want to name your kids those names. And while she's coming, God impressed upon the prophet that she was going to come. And he said unto the wife of Ahijah, Why feignest thou self to be another woman? Come on in here, sister, talk to me. And verse 6, and so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, he said, as she came to the door, he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Why feignest thou self to be another from sent unto thee? I want you to see verse 8. 
He said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Rent the kingdom away from thy house, the house of David. And I gave it to thee. Watch it now. And yet, thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart. David had already messed up with Bathsheba. David had already seen a son kill another son. David had already buried a child. David had already seen a son rebel against him. And yet after all that, he strapped himself in and continued to fulfill the responsibilities of life and he died as the king of Israel. And the God's word said here, he said, God's not magnifying his sins. God's not magnifying his failures. God said, I tell you what, you have the history of a man by the name of David and that man kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart. There has to come a day when you shift gears. You have to say, I'm not gonna stay in the rut and the ruin and the wreck and the failures of my past. I'm gonna go forward, I'll be the king. I don't deserve the king. It's not this way with my house. My family's not a good family, but I still have a race to run. And you have a race to run. You failure just like your pastor. We have failed. I wish I had had these failures. I wish that I would have had a good, better testimony here or here or here. The man's probably watching right now lives in a distant state, he watches our services. I have 38 deacons, board members that I answer to. We work together. I've never lost my temper with the deacons. But one time. And it wasn't with the deacons, it was just with one. And this one deacon was a good man. He's watching right now. He's a good man still to this day. He's my friend. He'll email me and he'll call me. We just talked on the phone and I love him. Been gone for probably 30 some years. And he, uh, he kept needling me about something. By the way, I don't think he knew he was. He kept opposing something. And I don't believe that I ever wanted ever to pass anything in that meeting and bring it to the church without 100% approval of all the deacons. So we'll wait. What had to be done had to be done, but he voted against it every time. There'd be a few months I would just table it, not bring it up, because I knew he was gonna vote against it. And when I bring it back up, he'd vote against it. But in his defense, he was not trying to be rude or unkind. He felt like he was doing right. And I was young. One night on a Wednesday night, 1983, I'll remember because we just moved into the new building at that time over there. He came into the office and we were talking and he, he began to push on me. And I'll never forget, you know, Brother Fenera, it wasn't that big a deal, but it just, 
tormented my life. He kept pushing about this thing, and, and I said, fine. Why don't you pastor the church? And that was little maybe to you, but it derailed me. As soon as I said it, I felt so sad. I never wanted to have anything like that in my heart. You know, I immediately said, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have treated you that way. You know, the next time I saw him, I just can't get over stuff like this. I saw him, I said, you know, I, I, I told you, but I, it's eating me alive. I'm so sorry. Because, Pastor, you, you told me already. He was so kind to me. A couple of weeks later, I saw him. I said, I just, I call his name right now. He's probably watching in a distant state. He lives in Florida. I said, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, he was able to release that, but I could not to this day, Colonel, that bothers me. I get stuck in that gear from time to time because it bothers me that I spoke back harshly to a godly layman in our church. You say, well, that's nothing. It is to me because I should be like the morning sun that comes up. I should be just. God gives me requirements for my life. And when I fail those requirements, it eats my lunch. But I know that I fail that sweet girl called my wife. It torments me. We're all made different. I know what guilt can do. And today as a pastor, I'm coming to you, asking you, forget about the past. Forget about the past. Would you please do that? Would you move into the next gear and just get out of that, that low gear? Would you get moving down the road back on your journey? And would you get in the right gear? My early days are over. I should be long out of first, and I am in second, third. I'm over here in this gear right now. And that's the gear I'm supposed to be in right now. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.